Good to see you guys. As Ricky mentioned, we're starting our vision series this week. And the reason why this is so important to us, and I, and I know the reason why Ricky said what he said about it is because this vision and this, this series, when we're talking about what God has asked us to do, what we're doing for his kingdom, it is impacting a lot of people. It impacts marriages. It impacts individuals. It impacts families. And so I know for me, one of the reasons why I love it so much is because what it's meant for my family, how the vision of New Life Church has impacted me, how it's, how it's changed me, how it's helped me in my relationship with God. Uh, now today specifically, I'm going to title this sermon, A Heart for His House. A Heart for His House. This is what it says in Proverbs 3.9. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first And the best. Everybody say honor. Uh, I think it's important that we understand that we have a culture of honor at New Life Church. And that has to start with honoring who God is. And this clearly says that the way that we honor God, it's by understanding that everything that we have belongs to him. That everything that we have in our lives, it came from him. And today I am talking on the subject of giving, and I know a lot of our people, you like talking about this subject because you believe what the Word of God says about it. We also have some people in here, you may not have been a part of our church very long, and you may have come from a church background where all they did was talk about money, and all they did was try to get your money. If you hang out here very long at all, you're going to know that's not who we are as a church. But we also understand the power and the blessing and understanding biblical principles around the subject of tithing and giving. And, and the greatest thing about this is this. This is me trying to hook you up to bless you. Because if you don't understand this, then I haven't pastored you well. If you don't understand what the Bible says about this, then really when we say that we love you, we aren't really saying that we love you until we've told you everything that the word teaches us about the blessing that comes from tithes and offerings. So that's what we're talking about today. And if we're going to honor his word, we have to honor teaching this subject Whenever there's honor, it seems like it pulls things together. When you honor the word of God, it'll pull things together in your life. Just like in a family or relationship, when there is honor present in a relationship or in a family, when there's honor between husband and wife, when there's honor between children and their parents and parents to their kids, when there's honor, it pulls a family together. But when there is no honor, it will divide. It separates. And so that's why it's important that we look at the full picture of everything that God is asking us to do in his word and what, how it applies to us as a church. Have you ever thought about how many things God has given you in your life that don't seem to obey you? Have you ever thought about that? Like it may be a pet. How many of you, you know that you have a pet that does not obey you, okay? Now, a cat will never obey because cats just don't obey. They just sit there. They don't do anything. But some of us have had dogs maybe, that did not obey. I had a dog. If you want to know the reason why, the Bennetts do not have any pets. That's not true. We have a turtle that my son Corbin rescued from me running over one day, and and we still have that turtle, and I'm just looking for an opportunity for it to disappear. But, But that's the only pet that we have currently in our house. But you have to understand, there's some context for the reason why we don't have dogs and cats. And really it's because I feel like we might have like a little bit of PTSD from our first dog that Cody and I had when we first got married. Because when we first got married, I bought Cody for her birthday, I think, or Valentine's Day or something, some holiday that I was trying to be romantic with, and got her a, a puppy, a, a, a chocolate lab. 
Now, some of you are saying, oh, and some of you are saying, oh. Okay, because labs are some of the most high-strung creatures that have ever sucked air on this planet. Okay, and so, so we're young and married, so I'm trying to teach this dog. But this dog, oh my goodness, like it destroyed everything. You guys know those, the, the conks, okay, like the rubber indestructible dog toys? He destroyed five of those things, okay? Just ripped them to shreds like they were nothing, okay? So that was the biggest issue we had with Charlie. One of the issues we had with Charlie is he, would, he kept getting off of his leash. We were out at a house where we didn't have a fence or a yard where he could stay in, and so we just had him on a leash. And I had him on, like, carabiners, like, on his leash, and we would get home, and he would be off of his leash. I don't know how he was doing this. Like, at one point, I set up a video camera to try to catch him escaping from this leash. Because I got to a place where I was convinced somebody's letting our dog off of his leash. But sure enough, like he'd just get his paws up there and open the carabiner and get off of his leash. But he would get it out and then he would chew and destroy everything. How many guys used to have, they're not popular anymore, but you had like a bra on the front of your car. Like the little cover that was supposed to protect the paint. Okay, one time I parked a little too close to the house and he destroyed, ripped it completely off of our car. Okay, and so it was just one thing after another. But the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, we were, uh, we were in college at the time and we had just ordered a bunch of books online. <laughs> like over 600 bucks worth of books. And, and God bless the UPS delivery guy. He delivered it to our house, but put it within Charlie's reach. And so we got home and it was paper mache, like confetti everywhere. Just shredded $600 worth of textbooks. And that was when I found out that I was not ready to raise kids. (laughs) Because I went and grabbed that dog by the neck, lifted him and pinned him against the wall of the house and was choking him. Like I blacked out, like, and then I heard this faint noise of Cody screaming my name, trying to get my attention. And then I stopped and there was Charlie And Cody had a look of terror on her face that I haven't seen since then. And then I realized I'm not ready for any living creatures in my life whatsoever. But Charlie tested me and brought demons out of me that I did not know existed. And so so we have plants and, uh, and we kill those too. But but we don't choke them to death. And so that's good. And by the way, all of our kids are safe and healthy. Okay, God deliver me. I went through a lot of healing. Okay, we're good on that. A lot of us though have had a child, maybe a kid that was not obedient. How many of y'all, okay, maybe you don't want you to raise your hand because that kid's sitting with you right now. But you've had a kid in your life that, that wasn't obedient. They didn't obey what you asked them to do. Okay, well, every once in a while, I'll find one of these families that has one kid. And it's like super compliant and nice and respectful. And I am praying that God will surprise them with one more kid that is just a terror, you know, just the most 
Because I'm convinced, honestly, I love you families that have one kid, but I don't know if you're real parents yet, honestly. When you just got one kid, like, I don't know if you can really be tested. I don't know if you count in the parenthood area yet, okay? Because you know you can start with one great kid, and then God is going to humble you and throw you another one that may not be as great as the first one. But there is one thing that God has given you that will always obey everything that you tell it to do, and that is your money. Your money will always obey what you tell it to do. There has never been a time in your life that your money didn't do what you tell it to do. You tell it to stay somewhere, it'll stay somewhere. And even subconsciously, you're telling your money where to go and what to do. See, it's this blessing that God gave us that we get to decide, this is what we're going to do with this. And I've heard people say like, man, I got money burning a hole in my pocket, but it didn't go anywhere. It's still there. Or I've heard people say, man, my, my savings account just evaporated. No, it didn't evaporate. It's hanging on your husband's man cave wall. It's parked in your garage. It's in your closet. Because our money goes where we tell it to go. It's not rebellious at all. It never ran away from us. It's right where we tell it to be and where to go. So I think most of you know, one of the most important things I do as a pastor is I teach you the word of God and it calls me to shepherd. The word calls pastors shepherds. And one of the things that shepherds do is, is they lead the flock to safety, to green pastures, to still waters. And I promise you, You cannot find any of those things until you understand what the word says and God's heart behind where you tell your money to go, where you invest, where you're trusting God with this. There was a time as a church when we didn't teach very well on this. The first five years that we existed as a church, when we had our Conway and our Little Rock campus, and I was here during that time frame, we didn't teach on the word of God very much. And the reason why was because our, our leadership, including myself, we come from church backgrounds where this had been abused, where someone with a Bible in their hand was manipulating and pressuring people to give, but it was typically for selfish gain. It was to build their own thing. It was to do their own thing. And so because of that, we went clear to the other ditch and we weren't teaching on it. And then God, about five years in, remember the economic downturn? It was during that time that God spoke to us that we were hurting our people by not teaching them the word of God around giving more than the economy was hurting our people. And it was around that time that God showed us very clearly, hey, I don't need you to protect my name by not preaching my word. Like my word, my name will stand for itself, but you are hurting my name by not preaching the fullness of my word when it comes to giving. And I just want you to know, this is just something I felt like the Lord put on my heart. You need to know that this church, our church, our campus, but our church statewide, we are not financed by super rich people. We, 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 this whole thing works by people that are just faithfully giving. It's average people just faithfully giving, just trusting God. And so you may be new around here and you may walk in this building and think, man, this is a nice place. And then, man, they got nice things around here. So there must be some wealthy person that's financing all this stuff that's giving towards all this. And you just need to know, no, this, 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 what you're sitting in right now came with a lot of individual sacrifice from a lot of different people just trusting God with what they had. That's the way this came about. 
So I think it's important for you to understand that. I want to read some stats, though, because with the faithfulness of just average givers, God has showed up and used our church. Most of these stats are are who we are church-wide. Meaning this is all of our campuses, 17 campuses now across the state of Arkansas. This is what God has been able to do through us as a church because of individuals who faithfully give. Over the last five years as NLC in every category, we have grown over 100% in the last five years in every category. We're getting close to 20,000 people attending every weekend across the state of Arkansas. Which means there's over 50,000 people that would attend regularly. If you know the stats, because some people only attend a couple times a month and then you switch off. It, that, it makes it hard to know who really goes to church here, but that, that's what the stats would show us. Which means if you study further into that, there could be as many as 100,000 people in the state of Arkansas that call New Life Church their home church. Which is just absolutely mind-boggling to think about. But that's what God has allowed us to do. Some other things. Missions. Today, our church has given over $17 million to missions since 2001. $17 million to local and foreign missions. That's a really good place to give the Lord a hand if you guys are excited about supporting missions. In the past five years, $10 million of that $17 million has been given. Just in the past five years because of the growth that we've experienced. One of the biggest mission-sending organizations that we're now partnering with is called Surge. They've planted over 12,000 churches worldwide, and we're a part of that. We're a part of that vision. The ARC, which is the association that we are a part of and that this church was birthed out of, it's a church planning organization. And 2% of every dollar that's given around here goes towards that, and we've planted 800 churches through the ARC because of your faithfulness. The Dream Center. NLC, through the Dream Center, has given over a million meals in the last couple of years to hungry people across the state of Arkansas. A million meals. And I want you to know that it is done with integrity. I I love being a part of church. And I, I was actually surprised when I first started working here just how open we were about our finances. If there's any question that you ever have about the finances of our church... We're an open book. I love the integrity of the people that are working in our finance office. They're highly skilled, professional people. We do internal audits all the time just to make sure that things are staying integrous, that things are staying the way God would want us to lead and have them. We have trustees, these business people. A lot of them are founding members of our church. They're just smart people that have been faithful that understand giving, that understand the tithe, but they're also brilliant business people that are making good choices in their own lives about how to run things. And we don't get to make any big purchases or sell anything without them signing off on it. Those are people that are helping us keep this thing pointed in the right direction. I want you to know that as a pastor, like I, I, I don't know who's giving and how much they're giving. In other words, I'm never going over to the finance office and asking them to give me a list of who our top givers are. From time to time, they'll let me know about a person who gave a big gift. But a lot of times, they won't tell me what it was. They just say, hey, you need to thank so-and-so because they really, really gave a big gift towards this project or towards 
tithes or offerings or whatever it is. And so I'll reach out and I'll thank those people. But on the whole, you just need to know, I'm not standing up here on Sunday thinking about, oh man, there's so-and-so again. Been coming to this church for I don't know how long and I can't believe they don't give. Like, I I don't know. I I have no idea. And I think that that's important. Because I don't ever want to be in that position. I don't want my heart to ever be in a position where anything that's motivating me or the way that I see you is anything other than innocence. Anything other than I just love you and I care about you. And at the end of the day, I'm going to trust God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do to bring you to a place of experiencing his blessings. But I'm going to teach on it. Because I do know that God moves in people's hearts. In fact, at our, hot, our Hebrew Springs campus, for the first time, someone is, is put into their will for that campus that they're going to give a million dollars. That's in their will. I, I promise you in Jesus' name, we're not going to kill that person. Uh, we, we, like, in our flesh, thoughts may have come across their mind. But, but, but we, still haven't, we've, we still never received that kind of a gift as a church. But I do believe that there's, there's people out there that are going to give those kind of gifts to this campus in Jesus' name. I believe that there's people. And, and I've, heard, I've had young, younger business men and women that have told me things like that. That have told me, hey, I'm, when we get to this point, I promise you, we're going to give big. We're going to do this. And the reason why I can believe some of them is because they're giving now. Um, Because the truth is, if you're not giving now with little, (laughs) you're not going to give when you have a lot. It just doesn't happen that way. So I know people mean well when they say that kind of stuff, but there are some of them that I really believe them because they are faithfully doing it right now. Like when they're they're starting out, when they're when they're having to just trust God with every dollar and where it's coming from, they give first. They're trusting God first, and so I'm thankful for those people. I will say, if you win the lottery, just keep us in mind, okay? I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm just going to throw that out. Th- I'm joking about that, kind of joking. Maybe not joking. I am joking a little. <laughs> but let's look at this verse together in Ephesians 2.19. This is the verse that we shared when we first opened this building. And it's been a verse, it's been a theme of who we are as a church. It says this in Ephesians 2.19. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. I want you to know that if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to make New Life Church your home, then you belong. You have a place. You belong. And we want you to feel that, to embrace that. I will say that some of that is up to you about whether or not you let us let you belong but you have a place to belong. This is the body of Christ. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all. And this is not a building. This is the body of Christ. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building he, uses, he used the, the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Man, isn't that amazing? I want you to know it doesn't matter what your past is. I don't know what struggles you might have had. This verse just puts you in the same category as the apostles of people that God can use. 
So you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the smartest person. Praise God. I can relate with that. You don't have to be the most wealthy person. You don't have to have everything together. If you are willing, humble, and obedient, God can use you the same way that he used the apostles. If you're open to it, if you're willing. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. We know that this is not happening because of our effort. We are going to the Holy Spirit and he is directing our efforts. God is building this thing. God is building this thing. All of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. If you are thankful for the presence of God and that he shows up in broken people's lives, that he shows up in imperfect people's lives, if you're thankful that God wants to hang out sometimes with you, let's give him a hand this morning. Let's give him some praise. We want to be a church that the presence of God likes being around. And I want to tell you, I've been around churches that he didn't want to be around. I've been around churches that seem to have it going on with facility and gifting and talent. But somewhere along the road, they forgot to make sure that the Holy Spirit stayed involved. And it's dry bones. But we're building something that we want the Holy Spirit. We've always said this as a church. We believe the Spirit of God is going to pour himself out afresh. It says that prophetically in the Word of God. That at one point or another, we're going to experience something in the Holy Spirit that we've never seen or heard before. We've never seen or heard it before. And we've always said, look, if it happens at the church across town, guess what? I'm going over there. Because I want to be where the presence of God is. But wouldn't it be nice if it happened here Wouldn't it be great? And I think it's great to be jealous for that. I think it's great to have that as a part of our heart. Like, God, if you're going to pour yourself out, can we be the place that you do it? But I think some of it has to do with our heart around this subject. And I want to thank you for having a heart for this house. Because we have hundreds of families that give. Hundreds of families that give. But that's single people, married people, older people, young people, teenagers, Even college, even broke college students, retired people that faithfully give. And why do they? Because they love what God is doing here. One of my favorite questions to ask around Connect class is when people are trying to make the decision whether or not they want to make this their church. I love asking the question, like, what does this church mean to you? What made you want to come? What made you come back? I love hearing those stories and those testimonies. It encourages me and it motivates me. It's like, okay, God, you're still, you're you're using us. This This is encouraging. I think it's also important to ask the question, and I've asked this to other pastors before. If your church ceased to exist tomorrow, would your city and community notice? And I want us to be at a place where God can trust us with influence, with leadership, with impact in such a way that our city and community would definitely notice if we weren't here. For his glory. For his kingdom. So today, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to do something for you. That is the truth. But I understand the mentality I understand the question around that. I know the, the, the pessimistic and critical thoughts that are going through some of your minds right now. And a lot of that is because previous context around the th- subject of church. But I do get it. I do get how you would feel that way. 
So just to relieve some of the tension, it's a great place for a Boudreaux joke. Boudreaux, he was married, actually. I don't know how he wound up getting a wife, but he got a wife somehow, and her name was Marie. And they had a little boy named Thibodeau, and they called him T-Boy. Well, one day, T-Boy got a quarter stuck in his throat, and he was choking. So Marie is freaking out. And she says to Boudreaux, Boudreaux, you got to call the doctor. Call an ambulance. Get somebody over here. So he goes away. He makes a call. A couple minutes later, the pastor shows up. Marie's like, why is the pastor here? Why did you not call the doctor? Why is there not an ambulance here? And Boudreaux says, well, I call the pastor because he can get money out of anybody. And some of y'all feel that way. (laughs) But that's not what we're about. That's not who we are as a church. But I want to talk about some ways that you can know whether or not you have a heart for the house of God. You don't have a heart for the house of God when you no longer honor him. To honor means to give something value, to give preference to something or someone. Look, our country is missing honor. Democrats and Republicans don't honor each other. People don't honor their leaders. Their leaders don't honor their people. People don't honor the elderly. People don't honor the poor, the orphans. They don't honor police. They don't honor soldiers. They don't honor the sick. They don't honor people that are nursing homes. Some races don't honor other races. There's a lack of honor. And honestly, I think it's all birds out of losing honor for God and his word. When we lose that, we'll lose honor everywhere else. But what does it mean to honor God? I've already read one of these verses in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Now, there's this passage of scripture, and it's familiar around the subject of giving, but you may not understand the full context of it. So I want to read this, and we're going to talk about it. Malachi 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Goes on to say, return to me and I will return to you. If we want to get honor back around things, we've got to return to God. If we'll return to him, he'll return to us. But how do we return? How do we return? But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse Because you're robbing me. Okay, so the context of this, this is the Israelites that had just come back from 70 years of captivity in what is modern day Iraq. After 70 years of captivity, they come back to to Israel. Okay? And so they're back in this place. And and now worship is, the the temple has been reestablished. Worship has been reestablished. And now all these things, everything seems to look good. Things seem to feel great. But in the process of that, they have slipped away from honoring God anymore. They've quit trusting him. They've quit worshiping him. They're no longer in a place of honor. I've noticed that we all get complacent when things are going great. People lose a lot of their effort. When our wallets are full and our kids are fat, I think we just kind of settle. Like, man, things are good. Things are good. Why would we need God? We're good. Look, the enemy will work really, really hard to get you to fall into sin. 
the enemy will work really, really hard to get you discouraged. And so sometimes he will bring trials and tribulations into your life. He'll, he'll test you. He'll come after your kids. He'll come after your marriage. He'll come after a lot of areas. But if the enemy can't get you by attacking you in different ways, the best way for him to get you is just to make you successful. Because as soon as he makes you successful, he knows that there's a really good chance that you'll stop focusing on God. I've seen this happen in people's lives. I have near and dear friends, man, that love God, that serve God with all of their lives, with all of their heart. Then they experience a little bit of success. The next thing you know, they are abandoning everything that they know according to the word of God. And I think that we could all slip into this. All of us could slip into this. And we get to this place where it's like, man, if my kids are okay, they're healthy, but they're not respecting God. But as long as they have good friends and Things are good at school and they had fun at homecoming and they look good and vacation was fun. Then I'm not too worried about them respecting God right now. It's kind of like this guy that was driving around the parking lot. This redneck guy. And he says, God, please, please give me a parking spot. God, if you'll give me a parking spot, I just want a parking spot. I want a parking spot. It's so hilarious to me that people drive around a parking spot for 15 minutes looking for a parking spot. That means they don't have to walk 40 feet further. Uh, and, and especially if they're at the gym. That drives, that, that's hilarious to me. But, but, but driving around, God, please give me a parking spot. Please give me a parking spot. And right when he's praying this, a person's pulling out of his parking spot. And the guy says, never mind, God, I found one. Because it's kind of like, our lives, when we have what we think we need, we don't think that we need God as much. And so we quit honoring him. I know that it's quiet in here and that's just as good. Sometimes your quietness is like a subtle hallelujah and I'll take it, I'll take it because this is really important for you to get into your spirit. One of the places that you see this element of honor very clearly is on the mission field. I've seen this all over the world where there's some nations that are so poor, they, their average income is a dollar to $2 a day. That's all they have. And their church is a shack, dirt floors and tin roofs or a tent. And these people that make a dollar to $2 a day can't wait to get in there and give and worship God with their giving. Because they have this utter dependency on him. They know that anything that they do have is going to come from him. And so they have to trust him with everything that they have. So they give. They give their pennies and they give, they give, they give what they have. But they give it so willingly. By the way, we live in the most affluent nation in the world. And I think that is a good place to be cautious and aware where our hearts could slip to. You don't have a heart for the house of God when you procrastinate. When you procrastinate, you can see this right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. It talks about it in Genesis 4, how God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept Cain's sacrifice. But why? Let's go to that passage of scripture in Genesis 4. It says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, let's read that together. Everybody say it out loud. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought the fat portions from the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn of his flock. 
The Lord looks with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So you can see in verse three that that Cain brought something, but it was over the course of time. Over the course of time, Abel brought his first fruits, his firstborn. So why did God not accept Cain's offering? Because he wasn't able. Okay, that's a bad pastor's joke. It's a bad pastor's joke. Jarrett Humphreys gave me that one, but we'll move on from that. It's not really what they brought, it's when they brought it. It's when they brought it. It was their heart around this. Have you ever given something to someone and they never thanked you for it? If you have kids, it's probably happened a few thousand times. But have you ever given something to someone and then they came and thanked you, but like way later? Like somebody recently came and thanked me for something and I didn't even remember what, I, what they were thanking me for. Because it was so far after. It was so long after. I've had other people like be, before... Before I can do any, they've already thanked me. There's a thank you card. There's, there's just thankful people. But I feel like sometimes when we have this mentality that in the course of time, we'll get to this. What we're really showing is just how ungrateful we are. And so I think it's important that we don't lose honor in the course of time. Like in the course of time, I'll get around to going to church. In the course of time, I'll get around to reading my Bible. In the course of time, maybe I'll worship him. In the course of time, maybe I'll give. I want you to be aware of the course of time. I think it's important to be aware of the course of time, especially during football season, hunting season, sports, and extracurriculars. Like when you procrastinate in bringing God your best. When you delay it. This is one of the reasons why we give during worship. Because worship means to bring something of worth. And we want God to know this is not an afterthought for us, God. This is a priority. When we give, we give understanding that you deserve our best. And you deserve it as soon as we can give it. Because we're thankful. We're thankful. This is something I'm trying to teach my kids as they're growing up. Like, look, kids, we don't, we're not going to wait. We're like teaching young kids to tithe is not easy because kids are selfish by nature. We're all selfish by nature. But teaching them, like, look, when you get money for Christmas or for a birthday or whatever, you need to understand that 10% of that, you don't even look at it like yours. And we're going to go and give it as soon as we can possibly give it. We teach them that. We're not going to delay in our honor towards God. We teach them not to delay in their honor towards us. We teach them not to delay in their obedience towards us. We certainly don't want to teach them to delay in their obedience to the word of God. I think this is important. You don't have a heart for the house of God when you think giving is about money. When you think it's about money. 
It's always about lordship. It's an, always a lordship issue. In Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. This is the purpose. And the tithe is not about money. It's about love. It's about relationship. And some of you are like, no, James, it's pretty much all about money. It's not. I promise it's not. It's about your love towards God and putting God first. The truth is, God doesn't want your money, but he wants rank in your life. He wants lordship. He wants you to show that he's first. He's first, that he's your first love, your first priority. It says in Malachi 3, 7, return to me and I'll return to you. In Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Like where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. So I don't have to look far to know where your heart is. Have you guys heard of, seen these new refrigerators um, that have like the glass on the front of them that you can see through? It's like if you're wondering what's in your refrigerator, you just go and push a button and it'll light it up. Because grabbing the handle, oh, uh, like this motion, it's just hard on your rotator cup, you know? Like, where, have, what, where have we, what have we become? Like, uh, I would go to the grocery store, but I, I just don't know what I need. Oh, this has a window. I don't have to open the door anymore. Well, I don't, I don't have to open the door into your life. I can see what's happening on the outside. And that's what God can see. He can see where your heart is. He can see where your heart is. By where your money is. He knows where your love is. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips but the hearts are far from me. You don't have a heart for the house of God when you stop bringing to God. So in this verse in Malachi, it says, bring it, bring it, bring it. You need to understand when it comes to the tithe, there's actually nothing that we can give to God. <laughs> uh, we may use that word from time to time, but it's actually not the, the appropriate word because you can't give to someone if, if it all belongs to him anyway. So, so the tithe belongs to God, but really everything we have belongs to God because everything came from him, like everything. So, so the illustration is that if, like if, if I was going to go away on a trip and while I was gone on this trip, uh, I, I, went to, I went to Ethan, which by the way, Ethan and a team is in Hong Kong right now. That's why Ethan's not here. And so we're praying for them because they're on this missions trip for the next couple of weeks. But if I went to Ethan... And I said, Ethan, I'm going away on a, on a long trip. While I'm gone, I want to let you borrow my car while I'm gone. So there you go. Um, but it would be like I came back from that trip and I went to Ethan and I said, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, man, it's going really good. I just want to let you know, though, that God has put it on my heart to give you this car. I'm going to be like, Ethan, did you start? Smoking pot again while I was gone? Like, you can't give me that car because the car's mine. All you can do is bring it to me. 
return it to me with a tank full. (laughs) An oil chase would be great. But all you can do is bring it back to me. It's the same thing when it comes to God. Like, you will lose your heart for God and lose a heart for his house when you don't understand that everything you have is already his. All you can do is bring it. You bring it to him. So there's practical ways that we do that as a church. Uh, You can give in in the buckets, the containers we pass. You can give it boxes at the back. Uh, You can mail it in. You you can text to give. You can give online. Uh, You do need to know this. Sometimes when the containers pass by you and you look in, there's like, man, there's not a lot in there. It's probably because the person that's around you is tithing online. And, And I want you to know that these are some of the best and most faithful givers in our church. The people that give online because it is reoccurring. In other words, what they have made the decision is, in my life, I don't even consider my tithe as a part of my paycheck. As soon as my paycheck hits my account, my tithe is coming out of that, and it happens every month at the same time. And that helps us as a church. And so don't, don't ever despair like, man, we're, I don't even know how we're staying, because there's a good, there's a good percentage of our, our people and our giving that's happening online. And so I, and I'm thankful for that. But I am thankful for people that give in all the different ways. Uh, But the way Cody and I give, if you ever know, like, because some of you, I know you probably watch. And you're like, man, every time the offering bucket comes by the Bennett's, they never put anything in. So how about that? That's because we give online. We don't even look at our tithe and we're percentage givers. So we give above and beyond our tithe towards different things um, to help the church. But we, we don't even consider it in our budget. Like it's, it's gone. As soon as our, my paycheck hits our bank account, the tithe and offering is gone. It's out of there every month. So whether we're on vacation or not, it's out. It's gone. Just so you know. You don't have a heart for the house of God when you stop being thankful and no longer enjoy. Why do we need to give? Because everything we have comes from God. Our health comes from God. My joy, joy comes from God. There's no other way to get joy than from God. There's no other way to get peace but from God. My kids, they come from God. My confidence comes from God. My ideas come from God. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The reason why you give is because it's one of the only ways that you can keep an eternal perspective on what really matters. It's, it's just you saying, God, I see this. I, I understand that, that everything I have comes from you. And I'm going to continue to honor you with what I have. I'm going to trust you. I think it's important that you enjoy your blessings from God. And God does bless you. Uh, The Lord just has shown me 
to give and save and then enjoy. And the truth is this, if I'm not doing that, I can't enjoy. I just can't enjoy. When the most important person in my life, when I am not showing that they're the most important person in my life, I lose joy. I lose peace. When we become Christ followers, there is conversion that happens. Meaning there's change. There's change that happens in our lives. And it, and it hits our hearts first. It hits our souls first. But you have to understand that there's also conversion that happens in other areas of our lives. Like you go from a place from not caring about the Bible, not caring about the word of God, to caring about it. There's a conversion that happens there. Around prayer and just conversation with God. Before you're a believer, you're not... Maybe in a moment of desperation, you're just throwing something up, hoping that somebody hears it. But when you become a Christ follower, it becomes a dialogue. It's intimacy. You have to have it. There's a conversion that happens there. There's change that happens there. There's conversion in the way you approach relationships, the way you treat people, the way you love people. You change. When Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, There's a conversion that has to happen around your possessions and your recognition of where it all comes from. And just in a place of thankfulness, returning it to him. It says this in Ecclesiastes 5.19, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life This is indeed a gift from God. So yes, we are the most affluent nation on the planet. Yes, it is okay to enjoy it. But the only way that we're going to truly enjoy it is if we remember who it comes from. But God wants you to enjoy life. It's like at Christmas, like at Christmas from time to time, we'll like buy our kids like these remote control cars, right? Or remote control, whatever. So you get it for them and they last like two hours, right? And then they're broken. And when I do that, and like a kid breaks a toy, I'm not mad that they broke the toy. I'm upset because I don't get to watch them enjoy it anymore. And that's the same thing with God. God loves watching you enjoy his blessing. But if you don't see that it is all from him, then you're missing it. And you're missing the blessing if you're not giving. You're missing it. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. As I said, this this whole thing is around lordship. It's around putting God first. It's around understanding who he is. And, And I think that sometimes even a talk about giving, even a talk about trusting God with the things that he's given us, our resources. Sometimes I believe the Holy Spirit can use that as just an indicator of where we are in trusting God as Lord. I, I believe that there's sometimes a people that, that, that call themselves Christ followers that come to church, but then they realize I call myself a Christian, but I am not completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I haven't trusted him with my whole life. 
And I think there might be some of you that are in that place today. You just realize as you're sitting there, like I'm a, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with God. We might have visitors in the house today and I want you to know that these are not messages that we teach very often, but we do teach them because we want our people to be blessed. But you may be here and, and as you're sitting there, you're just realizing, man, I, I, don't, I can't even connect and relate to this peace and this joy that only comes from God because I don't have a relationship with him. And if you're in that place today, I wanna give you a chance to have relationship with him to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you know that you're away from God, you may, you may have just drifted away from him. You need to rededicate your life to him today. But if you're away from God today and you want to be included in this prayer that I'm getting ready to pray, nobody looking around, that's you. If you just slip your hand up right now. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. But you just confess you need a relationship with Jesus. Got it. Thank you, bro. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thanks, God. Got it. Praise God for that. Thank you guys for being bold. Anybody else? I need a relationship with God. I'm away from him. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I saw you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm just away from him. I'm ready for him to be my Lord and Savior. Okay, every person that just raised your hand, I believe that you can make a decision right there in your chair. I think it's important that you go public with this decision as soon as you can. And the best way to do that is through water baptism. We'll have an opportunity for that in a couple of weeks. But I encourage you to tell somebody as soon as you can, maybe as soon as the service is over, just say, hey man, I made a decision today that God is gonna have complete control of my life. I made Jesus my Lord and Savior. But right there in your chair, you can just pray and say something like this. Just say, God, I understand that, that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I can't understand how you can love someone like me. I know I've made more mistakes than I can count. And right now, I, I, I just recognize that I can't do this without you. And so I believe, God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. He paid a price that I could never pay. And I thank you for that. And right now, I ask for your forgiveness. And I stop and I turn away from my sin. I stop and turn away from living for myself and living the way the world wants me to live. I want to live according to your will, your plan, your purpose, and everything that that means. So I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come and have control of my life. Lead me. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. Lead me by your word. Help me to be strongly connected to the body of Christ, to the church. And God, I want to live my life fully committed to you. Father, let us be a church where we understand the blessing of giving, that we understand the eternal picture and perspective of what it all means. We thank you for that. Thank you, God, that we're a part of church where so many people already faithfully give and trust you. But Lord, I thank you that you're also moving in other people's lives that have never trusted you in this area that they would begin to trust you and experience everything that comes with it. And we thank you, God, that you're gonna use it for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we had eight people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. That's what we do as a church. That's why we exist. 
Amen.